and welcome to the Shifting Perspectives, a student-run podcast. We select a topic and then shift perspectives and look at it in a different way. I'm Zayden, and today we're going to be interviewing Gavin Palmer, who's pretty famous for as portraying Mr. Readmore. Let's jump into it. So what were the auditions like for Mr. Readmore? What were the auditions like for Readmore? Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Um, uh, actually, I was working at uh, Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center. Uh, I was hired as the artistic director. I was the founding artistic director of Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center. And we partnered with what used to be National Network of Digital Schools. It's now, I think, Lincoln Learning Solutions. And uh, the people who developed the whole Midlandia series and the whole online curriculum K through four just approached me because I'm a professional actor at the time. And they said, we have this idea to do this online education and we have this video element. And would you like to play the reading teacher, read more? And so basically I didn't audition for it, but we created an initial video. And I believe it is the video. if If you went through the curriculum, it's the whacking contractions. And that is uh, uh, the first video we ever made. It was in a studio. It was Laura Humbert produced it. Uh, Ted Spratt uh, was the, the, the videographer. Uh, Lowell Engelman was the sound man on it. Don uh, Cameron worked on it and myself in a studio. So they wrote an initial script and we actually created this pilot episode of these videos. And that's what sort of like catapulted the entire Midlandia uh, uh, universe and so uh, they just asked me to come into a studio and try it out and so once they saw that first video I played read more from that time on really that's interesting yeah <laughs> it, it, I just happened to be for in the right place at the right time for a second I thought you said Geyer Performing Arts Center and I was like wait a minute that's where I do no, stuff <laughs> no Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center yeah 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 Midland yes So um, our second question is, what was RPA Cyber like and how was it acting for them? Um, Well, actually, I I partnered with, when I was working at Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center, we provided arts uh, curriculum for PA Cyber. Carla Bianco uh, was in charge of that program. But the, the... Lincoln Learning Solutions actually is the company that developed all of the Midlandia series, and they actually provide the curriculum to PA Cyber. So I did work with a lot of the people that I worked with at what was NNDS at the time, uh, were actually started in at the PA Cyber Charter School. And it actually was a really, really great organization to work with. Uh, I like working with PA Cyber. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I think what they have developed Uh, a lot of schools across the country could benefit from having the online curriculum uh, because, you know, especially during the pandemic, there were a lot of people during the pandemic that didn't know how to educate online and PA Cyber does it right. And I, I was sort of, I wasn't on the ground floor with PA Cyber, but I was about four years into PA Cyber. So I was there, I started in 2006 with Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center 2004, actually, I started with them. We opened in 2006, and so we started providing arts curriculum uh, for PA Cyber in 2006. Do you have any input on Mr. Readmore's character? Just like any uh, any fun facts you think you think he, he would have? <laughs> well, it's interesting because I um, 
It started out, as I told you before, it started out just sort of as a pilot where they were just using me as an actor because they were an actor that they knew who happened to be around. And we created this and then it became it became what it is. And then when they started developing other characters like Dr. Algie and, and Ms. Mapple and Mrs. Walden, they were like, do you have any other friends who are actors that can be? And I was like, sure, there's, you know, Tom Schaller and Sharon Schaller, and they actually both still work at Lincoln Park Performing Arts Charter School, along with Gwyneth Welling. I just called my college friends who were professional actors and said, you know, and they hired them. So what was interesting about it was I, I filmed, we recorded, there's no film involved, I, so we digitally recorded uh, about 750 videos. So I did about 750 educational videos. And there are a couple you could still see on YouTube, but we did so many of them and I recorded so many of them that I couldn't even tell you what some of the content is. I know that I taught kids between the, the grades of kindergarten through fourth grade how to read. And my whole experience was basically looking at a teleprompter and I would go in into a studio and change my costume. I, I probably had 15 sweaters and 15 different ties. I wore the same pants and shoes and, and shirt and I would just change my sweater and tie and I would record eight of those in one sitting where I would go in and do it. And I recorded about 750 of them. And it was over the course of about five or six years that that happened because we started with the kindergarten curriculum and then moved from kindergarten through first grade through fourth. Uh, and so basically my whole approach to it was trying to make the content as fun as possible because I knew that there would be a child sitting in front of a computer and learning basically how to read or how to write um, and I had to make it as fun as possible so that was just my whole approach was taking this content that sometimes can be boring and infusing some kind of a personality to it yeah yeah so the question after that was, how did you get into character for Mr. Readmore? Uh, basically, <laughs> it was the costume. As soon as I put the costume on, that, you know, and, and basically it's kind of like Fred Rogers when Mr. Rogers and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he would change his shoes when he got into the, the room. For me, it was as soon as I put that, that style of, and consequently, I don't wear sweaters like that anymore because I wore them all the time and I was always identified as Reed Moore because I always had a V-neck sweater on with like a circle pattern tie. And uh, as soon as I put that on and I put the pants on and put the shoes on, I, I was Reed Moore. So that was sort of, you know, it, there was no there was no avoiding it at that point. And, you know, the catchphrase always helps. That's the same thing with someone like Mr. Rogers. He always had his song that he sang. I always had the same catchphrase. I started every single video with read more reading teacher reporting for duty. And then my my sign off phrase is this is Mr. Read more reading teacher signing off. And that was sort of a catchphrase that we all started. And every one of our characters had to come up with something like that. So that was my catchphrase. And that's basically how I would get into character was you know, the beginning of every video started with that, and I was off and running. Yeah. Well, with that answer, you kind of answered our next question was, uh, did you have the option to enjoy getting the outfits? Which I, I would assume, yeah, because... Oh, yeah. 
I had an yeah, I had an option, and basically, I bought that I bought that same sweater in every single color and that same tie and every <laughs> color that it came in, and somewhere in Lincoln Learning Solutions. Or at least at some Salvation Army somewhere,、uh, there is、uh, there are a lot of those ties and those sweaters sitting in storage somewhere.、Uh, because when I left,、uh, that entire wardrobe stayed. We also did that for continuity purposes because when we filmed a video, we may have used sometimes we may have used certain footage for something else. And so if we knew that I was wearing the same sweater and tie, so it was somebody's job to actually.、Um, Keep track of what I wore and what color I wore. And if you notice, we did everything in front of a green screen, so I never wore the color green. Everything was always every other color except green. So、um, you actually just mentioned about、um, having the sweater collection.、Um, could you elaborate more on that? <laughs> the sweater collection. Well, it, it's it's funny because it, it you know. It would. Ju- it just happened to be the easiest way to keep continuity throughout all of the videos that we created, and there were 750 of them.、Uh, and so that was the easiest way. If I had the same pants, shoes, and shirt on, we could we could keep the variety by changing the tie and also the sweaters. So we just bought them in every color imaginable. And some days we'd come in and say, "Okay, we're doing these videos, so you have to change." So if I was filming eight videos. I might be able to wear the same sweater and tie for all eight videos, or they would say, "This, you know, this video," because we didn't form them, we didn't、uh, record them in succession. We recorded them out of order. So they would say, "Okay, you can't wear this same one because this video comes here." So whenever you watch them in succession, if I was a student watching them, I would always have something different on every day. So they had to actually keep track of what I was wearing when we actually recorded the videos. So、um, you mentioned the background being a green screen. So, like, how exactly was that done? So、um, that was that was the brilliance of Ted Spratt and Lowell Engelman and Mike Sermonara and Laura Humbert and Don Cameron. Like, Don was in charge of all the music that happened for it, but the producer Laura Humbert and the other rest of the staff. They would say, "I li- I never saw what the videos looked like until they were completed." And I can, and honestly, I don't think I've seen every video. I've only seen a select few of the videos. But I would go into a studio with a bunch of bright light. If we had props, there might be a table there that I used, or there might be a chair. But the majority of the background was all, you know, basically dropped in later in post production. So it's kind of like when you're watching, it, when you watch any of the. The special effects things they do for any of the Marvel movies or any Star Wars movies, you basically film and you're acting in front of nothing. And so I would stand in front of a green screen with a teleprompter and do all of my lines of dialogue. And then later on, you know, you they you know in post production, that team would put all of the backgrounds in. So they might say, okay, you're walking in a park right now. And I would, you know, sometimes I was on a treadmill, walking on a park on a treadmill, and the scenery would be moving behind me. Or okay, we're in a library today, and so I just knew that there were books behind me, and so they would kind of describe what it would look like. Or we also had characters that were animated characters that would come into the screen for me as well. So if I was talking about Ethan Eel or、uh, Valerie Violin,、uh, which are letters,、uh, I would have to refer to them, and they would say, "Okay, 
you can lift your hand up to this point, but don't go lower or higher than that. So I would have to like remember where I put my hand to refer to each one of them. Or they would say, you're pointing to something behind you at, on the screen. So lift your hand up and they would say, okay, right there. And so I'd have to remember where I was pointing. So it was, it was interesting and it, and it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. So it was all sort of like a uh, baptism of fire, uh, learning how to work with a green screen. But we did a lot of videos with just miming where things might be and then they would put them in later. That's really awesome. Um, so what was your favorite lesson or bit you did? <laughs> um, two of them come to mind. There was one. There, there was one lesson where uh, I go to a bike shop. Reed Moore goes to a bike shop to buy a bike, uh, and we filmed it actually on location. That was something that was filmed on location in downtown Beaver, Pennsylvania, at an old. It was a store that was didn't have anything in it, and I filmed that. And I did a lot of like crazy stuff, like tap dancing with sparklers and you know tumbling across the screen and doing silly stuff. So that was fun. My other favorite one is when I got to partner with one of the other characters, like Dr. Algie or Mrs. Walden or Ms. Mapple. We would do videos together. And one of them, my, one of my favorites, is when we were, we did a video about a story about a bunny and a cat. And, and Dr. Algie played a cat and I played a bunny and Sharon Schaller, who played Mrs. Walden, was narrating. And so we basically had to act out what she was narrating. But, you know, when you're making videos so quickly, this is like the seventh or eighth video of the day, she was narrating, kind of knew the gist of the story, but both Tom, who played Dr. Algie, and myself had to sort of make up what we were doing while it was happening. And we basically broke and laughed. And I do actually have a, a DVD uh, the crew gave me a DVD and Tom and Sharon a DVD one Christmas of all of the outtakes from that filming because we couldn't get it done. Uh, so those are probably two of my favorite to film. And I think uh, my favorite things, my favorite time to be was in the studio with Laura, Ted, and Lowell because we laughed a lot while we were doing the videos. So it was fun. But So it was one when Readmore buys a bike and one where... They tell the story about a bunny and a cat, and I don't remember what the titles of those are. That's really awesome. I think I, I can like remember those. It's been a little bit since like watching the videos, but I can remember ones about those, and yeah. they were really fun to watch. Um, so you, so you all, so you've been in PA Cyber since like kindergarten. So you grew up watching all of these videos. Yeah, for, for me it's first grade. Um, I don't know if anybody else had any input of how long they've been in. And, and my brother's been in. Oh, I used to be famous when I would, you know, every once in a while I would be in uh, Starbucks or I would be in, in uh, some store or a Panera and a younger kid would recognize me so their parents would have to say hello to me because they couldn't believe they saw Reed Moore in a Panera. Yeah, actually, um, I was I I got to meet you. You were working at um, a movie theater. Um, by yes, I was. I was working at Cinemark. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it was fun because my grandma was the first one to notice you because she'd been doing some lessons with my brother to help him, and uh -huh. it was super cool. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty cool being famous for being Reed Moore, yeah. Um, our, our, uh, yeah, and our, we're getting input over here that we've had uh, some students been since preschool. Cool. Um, so our next question is, 
Did you ever think while filming that your lessons and other videos would be used this long to educate? No, I did. We didn't realize the enormity of what we were doing because all of us, um, if you learned, if you ever heard music for all of the letters, there's like alphabet letters that have music to them. I sang some of the songs for those. I played Harvest Bear. I was the voice of Harvest Bear. I was also the voice of three other characters in the Midlandia universe. And we also did a television show called Meet Me at the Great Tree, where I actually played Harvest Bear in a Harvest Bear costume. But all of us, Sharon, Tom, myself, uh, Maria, Gwyneth, uh, Barbara, we all voiced Angela. We all voiced other characters within the Midlandia universe. So we spent a lot of time in a studio, either reading stories or voicing what the characters had to say in addition to filming or recording these videos, I never thought that it would go, you know, I knew that the curriculum would be used and usually curriculums cycle through every five years or six years where they have to be updated. And occasionally we would have to go back and re-record things. So when I still worked in Pennsylvania, I would have to go back in and re-voice things. And sometimes we have to go back in and refilm entire lessons because they needed to be updated or created differently. And so we would go and re-record them. But I never thought that it would go as long as it did. I'm thrilled and I'm happy that I got to, you know, basically teach a lot of kids how to read. So, um, that's really interesting. Um, our next question actually had to do with how you, how you said you with um, characters in Adventures in Midlandia. Do you happen to remember who you voiced in Adventures in Midlandia? I know Harvest Bear was one of them. Uh, Harvest Bear was one of them. I know I did a female character. I can't remember which one. I think she... I think she... I, I can't remember which female character I voiced. Uh, she was an older character. Um, I don't want to say it was... I didn't do Dewey, but I know I did four of the Midlandia characters, but I know Harvest was my... Harvest Bear was my main character. And I know that my friend Sharon, she, oh, I can't remember who she did. But anyway, she was also Socrates the Squirrel uh, in Meet Me at the Great Tree. But uh, Dewey, I don't know if I did Dewey or not. Dewey sticks in my head too, but I don't think that was me. But I did four of them. And at this point, I, I can't remember. I'm old. <laughs> that was a long time ago, but I know Harvest Bear was one of them. That's super cool. Um, I would just want to ask the person that I think I remembered that might have sounded like you. Did you happen to play Chief Tatupu? Yes, I was Chief Tatupu. Yes, that was one of the ones I did. Yes, that was good. Good for you. You remember them better than I do. <laughs> the only older female character I could think of would be So the Seamstress. Um, I believe I was So. I was So. Yep, So the Seamstress. I was So. I was Chief Tatupu, Harvest Bear, and I think one more, and I can't remember that other one. But, but yes, I was Chief Tatupu. Yeah. That's super awesome. I would always listen to the um, the recordings, and I'd be like, "That sounds like this person." And then eventually, I was like, "They're probably the same people." It, it was. There were there were probably about there were probably about ten of us that did all the voices because some of them were actually students from Lincoln Park Performing Arts Charter School that did some of the voices. I know Jimmy Schreckengost, I know 
Um, I believe uh, Kelsey Crispin was one of them. And then, of course, there was Sharon and Tom Schaller, Gwyneth Welling, Marie Beacons Bay, Barbara Russell, Angela Bloomquist. So there were probably about 10 of us that did all of the voices. Yeah. Wow, that is super amazing. There was a lot of standing in front of a camera and a lot of standing in front of a microphone with Don Cameron, uh, basically singing and talking. Uh, and we would get, you know, long, long scripts. Uh, and then we'd go in there and voice the characters. Wow, that is awesome. Um, so um, we had um, our next question would be, would you mind telling us about your directing career that you had or have? Yeah, I still do. Uh, right now, um, I work at a theater in North Carolina, Sanford, North Carolina. I work at Temple Theater. Uh, it, it has been around since 1925, and I am the associate artistic director here, and I am also the director of education. And um, I started my directing career in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at Pittsburgh Musical Theater. was the first show that I ever directed was in 1998, was the Music Man. And I directed and choreographed. I started directing and choreographing when I was younger, I started choreographing basically uh, when I was 15 years old in high school. And then I gradually went to college. I went to Point Park uh, University. It was college then. Um, but I went to Point Park University and got uh, and for musical theater. And then I toured in uh, three different shows, toured nationally in the Broadway companies of A Chorus Line, uh, 42nd Street, and then Cats was the last tour that I did. And then I moved back to Pittsburgh and started directing there at Pittsburgh Musical Theater. And then I was the artistic director there. And then in 2004, I was hired at Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center to be the uh, founding artistic director there. And I directed a lot of the shows there for the student company as well as the professional company. And then I moved down here in 2018 and I've been directing shows here. I direct professionally for our theater company and choreograph as well. And I also uh, work with a lot of students between the ages of four and 18. So I've been an educator most of my life but uh, I am still doing professional theater and also educational theater. That's really cool. So I think um, we have to be wrapping up now. Um, um, our last question, I think, could be, um, are you still in contact with some of like, the other teacher, the people who played teachers and the actors? Oh, yeah. A, a good majority of them still work at Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center and the Lincoln Park Performing Arts Charter School. And surprisingly enough, a majority of those people that were the voices of the characters, we all went to college together at Point Park. So Tom, Sharon, Maria, um, uh, Gwyneth, uh, we all went to college together, and then, of course, most of the crew I'm still very good friends with. We've, uh, we've, yes, definitely kept in contact, and as a matter of fact, I will see some of them. I'm coming back to Pennsylvania or going back to Pennsylvania this week coming up, so I'll get to see some of them. So, yes, we were good friends while we were recording all of those, and, and we still are. And it's, uh, it was a, a pet project that um, I started at National Network of Digital Schools, now Lincoln Learning Solutions. And it was kind of fun to be on the ground floor and to have all of our friends creating all of it. And it, I think what was amazing about the whole experience was how talented everyone was within their own aspect of the job that they had. You know, the actors, of course, had their talents in, in voice acting and on, on camera acting. But the people who put it together, Laura Humbert, who was the producer, and Ted Spratt and Lowell Engelman and Don Cameron and Mike Sermonar, they were all... Uh, 
really, really talented at what they did, which is why I think the videos were so effective as an educational tool because they were exciting and fun. And that goes for all the writers. Like one of the things that I never got to meet, I didn't get to meet a lot of the people who wrote the lessons that uh, we actually performed on camera. And so there were so many hundreds of people that went into creating those videos. And I only know my little part of the world in that studio with that green screen behind me, which was a lot of fun. But there were a lot of people, uh, a lot of creative people as educators and also as writers that created a lot of great content for kids like you and students like you that learned how to read and learned about science and math and geography because of the characters that we created. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for letting us interview you. This, um, for me, was one of the most fun interviews we've ever done. Oh, thank you. That's that's nice of you to say. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for inviting me on. It's it's nice to sort of reminisce about videos that I made, you know, 15 years ago <laughs> that I haven't seen. I, I actually went on to, to prepare for this interview. I went on and found some on YouTube and had to laugh at how young I looked. Now, it's time to shift perspectives. So, what do we think about Mr. Readmore not knowing what he was going to do on set for the day? Things like his outfit, ties, and the topics that he was going to teach that day. Casey here. I find this really interesting because I've done a I've done a bit of acting myself with community theater and that sort of thing, school productions, church productions, that sort of thing, and I have never, minus doing an improv camp, had to just like show up and do it with like no practice. The you would always spend at least a few weeks practicing for your show or whatever you wouldn't just show up the day of and be like given a script and be like okay this is it no practice no time to memorize just do it and there's also going to be a green little goblin in the corner or whatever yeah i also thought that that was really interesting it kind of reminds me of our podcast and how we'll come in and we'll have somebody will do our script and we'll we'll do it a couple of times like if if we like run it a couple of times um and it's just really cool of how we do that and it makes me think of i just figured out a popular podcast i guess for me called adventures and odyssey they do pretty much the same thing they've got a big room of mics and they read their script like right there i don't know how much they practice but i just think it's really cool when you can just like do it there it's probably nerve-wracking though for some people for our next question do you think Mr. Readmore could be considered as famous and recognized years later in public if you watched him as a kid? I was not one of the ones who grew up watching him, but I definitely feel there's a chance. And, like, some things go into it, like, how much has he changed over the years from when he filmed those videos, and how, and how well your memory is, but if he was, like, an important character to you, then I definitely think that there's a chance experience i think it was like super cool like noticing that him because for the longest time we didn't realize my family didn't realize he was an actor 
um, or a director, any of that. We always just recognized him as Mr. Reed Moore, and so we thought he was maybe like a real teacher, and they just had him like read scripts and stuff, or not even read scripts, just teach and they record it. And so when we figured out he was an actor, it was like, wow. And it was just so surprising that he was more than just like the actor for um, Mr. Reed Moore. He did a bunch of other stuff. And I just find that super cool. Yeah, as somebody who has grown up with him ever since kindergarten and everything, um, he definitely seems... If I saw him on the street, I'd obviously, I'd, I'd definitely recognize him. And I feel like a lot of people who grew up with him would also recognize him for doing, for like teaching things. Even if he was an actor, he still popped up. And I think that's really cool. I really good service that he did. Yeah, I haven't watched him growing up either, but I feel like it is definitely possible. Is there anything that you guys could add about acting that you think shifting perspective could someday give us that popularity, like how Mr. Reedmore started at PA Cyber and now he's famous? Definitely. Like this, since this is a publicly available broad broadcast or production, we could like you, we could put this on our resumes if we go for like a media audio job type of thing, and like they can look back and listen, like. Listen, if I was if I was trying to be like a show writer, for instance, I could have I could put this on my resume and then be like, hey, I wrote the stories in these like ten episodes, and then they could go back and look at them, and then who knows what fifty perspectives is going to become in the future? Like, it could become the most popular podcast in the world. Who knows? Or it could be their little thing, which uh, is also great. Thank you to any, anyone who's listening for supporting us, by the way. I think it would be awesome, like, if maybe in the future there's, like, little kids and they're, like, maybe they're doing an, more shifting perspectives, like, they want to continue it. And, like, they listen to our recordings and then they get to hear us and they're like, wow, those people are so cool. And then they meet us one day and they're like, that's so awesome. You guys are from Shifting Perspectives. We're doing that now. And maybe one day, like, maybe, who knows what the future holds. Maybe some of us could end up working at PA Cyber. And then, like, maybe we could be, like, a club director or something like that. And I think it would just be really cool if the kids were like, wow, you did all that? I'm sorry, but that image is so heartwarming and just all... I agree. I actually never really thought about how you can put it on your resume, things like that. And even though we are just voices to our listeners, it is still pretty cool. So that's going to be it for our discussion. We're going to move on to our next part. Now, it's time to shift perspectives. that we could bring Wally with us. I know, Scout. But you know as, as well as I do that he had to stay back at Spa. He hasn't been the same since he gave up his powers. Yeah. Like around all day in bed just isn't good for you. I hope he gets better soon. He's in good hands with Katie and Spa, though, so don't worry. Intra, call Katie, please. Calling Katie. Hey, guys. What's up? Need any help? Everything's going good here. The Northern Canadian walruses seem to be finally acting normal again. 
the intro watches that spa created are working great as well. I just find it weird how they change his voice. Still love it. They are. I never expected that spa winter great intro into their system. <laughs> well, we never turn away from a good idea. How's Wally? Still bedridden. Yor is taking care of him right now. I'll call her over since she'll have a better report for you. Hello, everyone. His body doesn't seem to have responded well to the cure we gave him. He is improving, but it's slow. Did you try the chemical tea I sent you the recipe for? Yes! But you know that green tea with lavender is really only helpful for colds, right? Of course. It's just your nickname for him, so you probably can. Besides, to the three of us, he will always be Walrus Boy. True. Agent Katie, are we going to be allowed to come back now? The walruses are recovered, so that should be our introductory mission complete, right? Sorry, but I don't have the rank to say yes or no to that. I'll have to report your findings to Colonel Lancaster and see what he thinks about it. I see. So, we'll have to see you for another week or so? Most likely. Colonel gets pretty busy this time of year. I can help you pick out your code names now, though. How about mine is, sir? Hmm. Too generic. That would get confusing on missions. How about Surly? I like it. Scout, what will your name be? There's only one thing that's fitting. I will henceforth be known as Walrus Girl! From this day forward, there were only two great walruses in the land. Walrus Boy and Walrus Girl. And they lived happily ever after. Thanks for tuning in to Shifting Perspectives. This, this episode, we had Bethany as our host and Savannah as our co-host. Our discussion was led by Mariana. Our story writer was Casey. Our voice actors were Zayden as Intra, Andy as Scout, Mariana as Jesse, Casey as Yor, Bethany as Katie, the perspectives as our narrator. Our intro was done by Zayden, and I'm Mariana, hoping you'll join us next time for more Shifting Perspectives.